The Lead Story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. Welcome to the Alex Forbes Lead Story here on the Business Report. And today we take a look at the midterm budget uh, speech tabled yesterday in Parliament by the Minister of Finance, uh, the Honourable Ipumba Shimi. Uh, joining us in studio to discuss that uh, speech and uh, some of the implications, as always, halfway through a year when there's course corrections, it's useful looking at what those are and what they mean for the the new budget coming next year. Uh, joining us in studio, local economy, a local independent economist, Klaus Schauder, and Heiko Pryor, the head of securities at Simonas Storm. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good morning, Gary. Thank you very much for having us here this morning. Yes, good morning and thanks. Thanks so much. Klaus joining us by telephone. Klaus, let's start out with you. What, uh, what if anything, stood out for you in uh, the minister's speech? Um, there are two, three things, uh, at least. Uh, first of all, I think there are some positive trends uh, concerning the budget deficit that drops be, uh, below 5% of uh, GDP, as well as also, uh, or that has a uh, positive impact also on, on total uh, government debt that uh, is below 70%. Uh, there were estimates previously that we will uh, go beyond uh, 70%, but it's uh, dropping to about 66% uh, uh, during the current uh, uh, financial year. He also made some some uh, policy um, um, announcements like the uh, tax incentive uh, policy for the employ- employment of uh, interns, uh, which I think can have a positive impact on, on absorbing uh, uh, school leavers or, or, or graduates uh, from universities. All right, Heiko, for you? Yeah, for us, I think a big positive is the revenue collection um, that has sort of um, reached more than its 50% mark. Um, it's twofold for us. Firstly, this possibly speaks to the improved efficiencies at NAMRA, better collection, better controls, better internal policies. But secondly, I think more importantly, it also speaks to the improved GDP numbers we've seen for last year and this year. So, I mean, the more the economy earns, the more tax has to be paid. And I think that sort of is a positive spin-off in, in our opinion. All right. So let's perhaps start out then with the improved revenue collection. We're seeing a streamlined NAMRA over the last few years. Uh, they've taken over the job of customs collections that hasn't been painless. Uh, and uh, certainly with a number of the clients that we speak to on a regular basis, the borders still remain a little bit erratic in terms of what are the rules to get uh, goods across the border. But this is having some spill-off. The minister, however, makes specific mention of the extractive industries and improved revenues from that. Now, what I want to ask you, Klaus, and I'll start out with you. The, minister, the, the president made comments last month around the extractive industries and how government was going to institute new policies requiring primary processing to happen in country, while at the same time, those same extractive industries are responsible for basically lifting our financial situation. How, how do you feel the government's dealing with this kind of duopolist type view on things? I think there are always uh, two sides uh, to, to the coin. Uh, first of all, of course, uh, we should try to add more value to our raw materials, uh, which to a certain extent we, we already do with copper, let's say the um, copper smelter in, in, in Sumap or the zinc refinery uh, in, in the south and um, other um, uh, minerals are at least uh, somehow um, processed before, uh, before they are shipped uh, 
of uh, from Namibia. There are now concerns about uh, the new, let's say, uh, minerals such as uh, lithium, rare earth uh, uh, metals, um, and then some others that should not leave the country unprocessed. Um, and I think that this is a, a good uh, initiative to add more value here, uh, increase employment. Um, but uh, we also need to, to, to be aware that uh, for setting up uh, processing plants, we need uh, certain volumes uh, to make them viable. And it needs to be uh, certainly uh, um, seen whether we do have uh, sufficient uh, uh, volumes for all these minerals to, to justify um, uh, processing plants. Um, then certainly a number is there to... to uh, uh, also combat, uh, let's say, illicit uh, flows of, of, of funds out of the country, uh, um, shifting uh, profits to, to other jurisdictions uh, where you pay less uh, um, corporate tax and so on and so forth. We need to uh, further develop certainly our capacities to, to deal with these issues because um, it, it's highly complex. Uh, but uh, I think uh, NAMRA is uh, doing a, a good job and, and by pursuing, uh, let's say, tax uh, defaulters and, and so they send a, a strong signal uh, to businesses and uh, individuals that uh, tax compliance uh, will be more rigorously, uh, let's say, enforced. Now, a little bit more money coming in uh, means the deficit shrinks, which is great, just like any household budget. Uh, Heiko, uh, how sustainable are these? So the deficit is now coming in under 5%. That's been mentioned as very positive. Are these sorts of, uh, the, the minister makes specific mention that to achieve long-term debt sustainability, it's necessary to have the nominal growth in debt lower than the nominal growth in GDP. I mean, that's pretty obvious for anyone running a household. Debt remains a, a chief focal point, even in this speech, it's mentioned numerous times. How how do we, so with that narrowing of deficit, do we see that as sustainable and part of the result of good um, financial governance? Yeah, so I think narrowing the deficit is, is obviously a good start. Um, we can see that in uh, the 2022-23 20, deficit was recorded at 10.1 billion. We believe that for this financial year it will be more or less the same. In my opinion, that's that's a really good good venture point from from what the deficits were previously. And with that being said, I mean our our debt to GDP is expected to end at about 66 percent, which in our opinion is not a big risk at this point. I think in the region it is actually a very um, strong metric. And um, yeah, for us. At Simisom, we believe that there is a little bit of uh, potential for, for the uptake in debt, but we would like to have that spent on sort of development capital in the country. For example, we've got a water crisis or there's a drought in the central area. If we could see some of that debt actually being allocated to implementing CAPEX to get more water into the central areas, uh, yeah, that would be better utilization than just using it for operational expenditure. But now, Klaus, um, w- one of the reasons why... There's also an uptick in expenditure because uh, both have seen, uh, it's both are sitting at around the 53% at midterms. There's obviously this uh, continued hike in interest rates. What, what's happened in the budget is interest payments are revised upwards by 1.7 billion Namibian dollars to just under 12 billion. Um, the minister's walked a bit of a tightrope in this speech in that he hasn't mentioned an outlook on interest rates. They haven't 
issued an opinion on whether they're going to keep going up. But clearly, the country can't afford interest rates, global interest debt interest rates going up. What is uh, what is our forecast on this? Uh, absolutely. I, I, I think this is, uh, yeah, where we need uh, um, strong collaboration also between the Ministry of Finance or fiscal policy and monetary policy because uh, um, the budget clearly indicates that uh, monetary policy does have a negative impact on, on, on our fiscal stance. Um, the increase in, in, in uh, statutory expenditure, uh, additional interest payments is because of the high um, uh, high uh, repo rate and then uh, subsequently uh, all, all other interest rates. So it hits back uh, at, at government uh, as well. Um, of course, uh, we are not, uh, let's say, the master of our own destiny when it comes to monetary policy because uh, we need to ensure that the uh, PEC versus South African rent is uh, uh, maintained and uh, South Africa not only targets uh, the inflation rate, but certainly also tries to avoid a too strong uh, depreciation of the South African rent uh, against the U.S. dollar. So they also um, they also need to take into account the uh, decisions by the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, but uh, yeah. Perhaps sometimes we need also to test whether we could uh, deviate a bit strong, more strongly from the South African monetary policy and, and keep uh, interest rates a little bit lower and perhaps uh, support uh, GDP um, growth um, through uh, additional economic activities uh, uh, in, in the country, uh, which uh, would have also could have a positive impact on our foreign exchange reserves when we produce more instead of importing or we, we produce more and then export and then uh, receive foreign exchange in in, uh, uh, in return. So therefore, um, it, it, it certainly for, for both a, 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 um, yeah, a very challenging uh, situation to, 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 to balance uh, these uh, different uh, demands. Now, another thing that's uh, important to balance, Heiko, is the politics of running a budget. And the minister, again, treads a tightrope here, but much stronger statements coming out around um, state enterprises. And I think this is a feature. It's mentioned no less than three times in the speech. $602 million Namibian million in what would be, I suppose, classed as bailouts, $250 million for Meatco, and then a couple of other state enterprises. I will quote the minister here. The situation at some public enterprises thus warrants urgent and bold actions to ensure the sustainability of these entities. Now, these are statements, and statements alone don't get any job done. How urgent is the situation at, at the public enterprise sector, and how much of a drag is that on the fiscus? Sure, Gary, yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. Um, we believe that the SOEs are in a lot of strain. May it be due to legacy issues or cultural aspects, there is definitely impeded performance. Um, we believe that the bill that they're trying to put through is to sort of privatize those or remove those from government, I think is quite important. Government should focus on its core duties and keep those SMEs, SOEs within government, but the rest should sort of be privatized. And I think uh, government would benefit a lot more if, for example, uh, NWR can declare huge amounts of dividends instead of bailing them out or providing loans or, or, or standing as a guarantee. And um, yeah, I think this uh, the bill is important and needs to come in effective as, as quickly as possible. 
So, class, uh, another aspect of uh, of efficiency in government has to do with execution on expenditure plans. The minister, in his speech, uh, re- has uh, announced the reallocation of 167 million Namibian dollars um, due to low execution rate on several projects. And this is a little bit like your mom saying, "If you're not going to play with these toys, I'm going to give them to somebody else." Um, this seems to indicate some sort of fiscal discipline starting to creep in in terms of keeping the ministers and the ministries in um, in line with their promises. I think that is one of the worrying aspects of, of the mid-year uh, uh, budget review, namely the very low uh, execution rates, but it's uh, generally very low during the first half, which uh, could have something to do also when the budget is finally approved because it's already into the new financial year, usually um, maybe around May. So we are losing two months for for implementing a project. And uh, um, then you have all this procurement processes and so on. It, it's Let's talk a little bit more about um, another aspect, and that's uh, $640 million dedicated to drought relief. This is not good news. This indicates the government believes this is going to be a very tough year for agriculture. Um, talk to us a little bit more about how how does that money get put aside and used in terms of the way the government treats relief? Absolutely. As I said, it, it's, uh, the low execution rate is, is worrying, and uh, it's uh, but it's not so unusual for the first half of, of the financial year because... Uh, it, it always takes uh, uh, a maybe about two months of the financial year before the budget is approved, and then uh, new uh, uh, programs and so can uh, can be implemented. So therefore, perhaps we also need to move the whole budget calendar a bit forward to, to uh, ideally even uh, um, uh, approve the budget before the. Uh, uh, financial year starts so that uh, all the uh, offices, ministries, uh, agencies know exactly the, the envelope, uh, know exactly uh, the capital uh, expenditure or the budget for capital uh, expenditure available and start in, in time with uh, uh, the design and, and, and procurement and so forth new uh, uh, um, projects. Um, I I would have expected that the minister uh, allocates a bit more of the additional revenue to capital expenditure because that can stimulate our economy and in particular uh, support our struggling uh, construction sector if we invest more into the uh, building of uh, classrooms and, and health facilities by Namibian companies, of course, uh, to, to uh, support our uh, Namibian uh, construction sector. And that would uh, have positive impact on employment, on, on uh, also on other uh, construction-related uh, manufacturing activities such as uh, metal fabrication, cement production, and so on and so forth. All right, I'm going to touch Thank on you. that, Heike, and I'm going to get back to the drought relief question in a second. But what uh, what Klaus is saying is that there should have been maybe a bit more money put onto construction. But if we can go and take a look at the development budget, at mid-year we're sitting at 32% utilisation or execution rate in terms of the development budget. And we would assume that a vast majority of those projects are things like construction of classrooms, which feed into this construction element. So it doesn't feel like, despite the fact that the government's announcing policy and making money available, that these projects are actually happening. 
Yeah, I think with these development projects, there's always a, a, a bit of admin that needs to, needs to move forward with those as well. And we have to look at sort of the different studies that need to be put in place, the location, and then um, also just the tender process with the central procurement board is quite, quite tedious. So I think a lot of the, the projects get stuck there. And um, yeah, in, in terms of the tendering is that uh, there's probably another discussion for another day, but they they. We need to put in a couple more efficiencies and a, and a bit more progress because um, a lot of the projects get stuck there and then they just don't move forward and then it's the contractual disputes, etc. It really delay these capital projects because, I mean, if you are a third party that's sort of delivering a service for government, you want to make sure that at the end of the day, the bills are paid for you as well. Otherwise, that just strains on your, your company. Now, of course, budgets at best are a plan. So I want to go back to what we were talking about slightly earlier is that over 600 million has been put aside for drought relief. We're also seeing another... 440 million being added onto goods and services budgets of various votes. Uh, that in its own is a billion dollars being put aside for maybe stuff we hadn't thought about. Um, but perhaps just to complete the answer there, when we put 600 million aside, how does government effectively do that and how does that money get spent? Yeah, so I think 640 million for drought relief is quite a significant amount. So either they know something we don't or it's political play for elections next year because, I mean, there is sort of an El Nino effect globally which will affect the northern regions of the country. And um, I still have my doubts um, in terms of how this sort of food distribution uh, uh, will, be, will be managed and how those will be um, sort of, yeah, distributed to the people that actually need it. I mean, we had a COVID fund, which was also completely misappropriated. And um, yeah, it would actually be interesting to see through the voucher system, et cetera, how government will effectively get this money to the people that are in serious need because of, of drought that has struck their sort of farmlands or their agricultural setups. Now, Klaus, one of the uh, w- one of the weaknesses of the economy at the moment, uh, and it's a potential weakness, is our reliance on South African Customs, Southern African Customs Union. And the minister does mention this twice in terms of SACU and, and the volatility of SACU receipts. We only really understand what our revenues are closer to the beginning of next year. Uh, in your view... And he's suggesting we diversify our economy in order to drop our reliance on SACU. In your view, how does Namibia drop its reliance on the South Southern African Customs Union? Before I come to it, I just wanted to follow up on what uh, Heiko said, namely uh, the drought relief. I think there's a positive uh, change that uh, government is going to distribute uh, vouchers instead of distributing bags of maize meal that are sometimes getting rotten in, 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 in storerooms. Uh, so therefore, I think that can uh, also channel more funds uh, to the regions and, and, and remote areas when people have vouchers and they buy in the next shop uh, rather than uh, procuring uh, food uh, centrally in, in Windhoek. Um, so um, this uh, this could Im- improve the in- efficiency uh, of drought release. Uh, coming to Saku, yes, uh, but that's what we have been saying since a long time, that uh, we are very reliant on, on, on Saku revenues and then therefore very reliant on the performance of the South African uh, economy because they uh, uh, account for most of the um, 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 import duties and, and uh, even excise duties. And, and so um, so we need to strengthen our own uh, domestic revenue collection. Um, but um, and, and I disagree with, with these uh, tax uh, uh, amendments uh, that were uh, finally uh, approved uh, this year, namely uh, the increase in tax deductible allowances uh, 
um, for pension funds to 150,000 uh, Namibia dollar annually and the zero rating of, of that because that undermines, in my view, uh, the uh, uh, ability to, to collect uh, um, uh, domestic uh, taxes. And it doesn't contribute to, to our main challenges of, of uh, equality and, and poverty reduction. And so quite the contrary, because the tax allowances only benefit uh, the better off in, in society, not those that really need uh, the um, uh, needs support by government. So therefore, I, I think uh, the, the tax policy unit that uh, has been established one of the first tasks should probably be to review our whole income, uh, uh, individual income tax uh, uh, structure and align it to, 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 to our main uh, challenges. Um, he announced the increase in the tax threshold to 100,000. I think that's long overdue. Uh, also the adjustment of other tax brackets because the last ad adjustment was done 10 years ago in 2013. So uh, inflation has pushed people's income to higher tax brackets. They pay more tax without necessarily uh, improving their standard of living and, 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 and so on and so forth. So therefore, um, uh, there is certainly a lot of work for the tax uh, policy unit um, to, 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 to review these uh, schedules, but also estimate the impact of any uh, changes in, in the tax schedules. Uh, we always talk about uh, uh, evidence-based policy making, but uh, I haven't seen any uh, evidence for how this, uh, uh, these uh, changes uh, uh, really benefit uh, the uh, the Namibian economy and then contribute to employment creation, uh, equality, poverty reduction, and so on. And uh, so, um, and of course, I, I, I believe all these measures from NAMRA that are slowly but surely taking effect will uh, contribute to to higher, uh, let's say. Um, uh, uh, compliance with, with uh, domestic tax uh, regulations and uh, bring in uh, more uh, taxes and, and therefore um, uh, reducing uh, the reliance on, on, on Saku uh, revenue. Thank you, Klaus. Uh, I could mention the tax policy um, unit and I think that uh, there's a very important sentence in this speech that uh, is perhaps the first time I've certainly heard it uttered from uh, from the you know as government policy, and that is that the government is continuously working on improving tax competitiveness regionally. Mm. Now that's long been touted as an advantage Namibia has over, for example, a neighbouring state like South Africa, where the tax regime is different. We get to make our own rules, um, and there are opportunities to attract other sorts of if we want to diversify the in, the economy, other sorts of industries through tax competitiveness. What do you think is the low-hanging fruit for Namibia with regards to being tax-competitive regionally? Yeah, okay, maybe just to take it one step back. I mean, if we have a look at our current corporate tax, it's, it's at 32%, which is uh, one of the highest rates together with Mozambique in the region. So I think from a corporate tax perspective, and in order to draw more foreign direct investment, is we need to reduce that corporate tax rate to become more competitive with the likes of South Africa or our neighboring neighbors like uh, Botswana. So I think that's that's quite an important aspect that that the unit will have to look at is bring that down as quickly as possible. 
Then, um, yeah, we spoke about special economic zones in the previous budget speech. However, I mean, legislation still needs to be sort of implemented and we need a bit more clarity around that. I mean, once that's sort of implemented, we can have more foreigners focus on those areas, bring in um, uh, foreign direct investment and then from there sort of export in, in the ambit of that, in that framework. So I think the unit has quite a bit of work to do. Um, I mean, also in terms of individual taxes, the last update was in 2013. As, as Klaus has mentioned, it's it's time to push up the threshold due to inflationary effects on, on its own that have pushed a lot of people over the 50,000 um, threshold just to get that adjustment through and um, also just sort of align the other brackets slightly in order to make it a, a bit more com- competitive with, with other local countries. All right, Klaus, I want to bring that to you now. There have been... Lots of discussions in the past from government about uh, uh, perhaps bringing in um, capital gains tax, about this issue of dividends, of some sort of withholding tax there. Um, there's been a lot of reluctance, and how trusts are treated in the country is also significantly different to how South Africa treats trusts. Um, in the past, this has been seen as a sometimes by, we've certainly heard the, the view from government potentially that these are loopholes in the tax system, this is tax leakage. But now we're starting to hear about competitiveness. And uh, I mean, I, I, we deal a lot with cross-border companies and we hear this a lot about how these particular benefits to the taxation system compared to South Africa could really be incentivizational in terms of direct foreign investment. We're hearing, hearing a number of companies considering moving head offices to Namibia to take advantage. We know Mauritius has almost totally overhauled its entire economy based on a few, um, and I'm, I'm perhaps simplify, oversimplifying it, but a few basic tax benefits. Uh, what do you think is the low-hanging fruit and what should government definitely be looking at either retaining or changing in order to, to drive this greater diversification? Okay, first of all, I, I think uh, tax competitiveness is certainly not our weakest point. Um, if we talk about competitiveness, we should address uh, red tape, uh, the, the, the time and, and processes it takes to, to register a company uh, in Namibia. Um, there have been improvements, uh, especially with NAMRA, that you can uh, register, pay online everything, submit your tax returns online. Uh, some progress outside BIPA, but uh, local authorities uh, are far behind the curve. Um, I, I think we, we need to, to, to work on, on, on these uh, uh, areas. Also on our other policies, uh, we, we haven't mentioned, namely the uh, Namibia um, um, investment promotion and facilitation bill that this, uh, these bills and, and, and so meet uh, also investor uh, ex, uh, um, expectations. Um, one, one point maybe in the tax policy, uh, since we always stress uh, um, the potential of SMEs is to introduce a, a much lower uh, rate for startups for the first, let's say, five years or so, half the current uh, corporate tax rate uh, for SMEs or maybe for 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 um, um, enterprises run by the youth or, or by women. Um, of course, we we don't want to 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 put uh, youth there just uh, for 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 getting these uh, benefits. Uh, so we need to to ensure that it's really uh, user-run uh, uh, enterprises and so forth. So that could certainly uh, um, 
uh, help also SMEs to survive the initial phase uh, of of uh, starting a business and uh, can can um, then result in, in further tax collection later on when they have established themselves and then make profits and uh, contribute to, to employment and we increase uh, uh, taxes from from um, income and so on and, and so forth. I, I think that is something we should uh, uh, strongly consider. Right, gents, we're nearly out of time. So let's perhaps just uh, wrap things. I'm going to ask you to give the minister a rating as if, as if he was in school from A to F, where F is a fail and A is an outstanding speech and uh, perhaps a, a, a bit of uh, politicianship and management. Um, and then perhaps say what you didn't see in the speech that you would have liked to seen as uh, briefly as you can. Let's uh, let's start out with you, Klaus. Yeah, I I, I haven't heard anything about SEMAS and the reform. Uh, I think it's two years ago when the minister announced that there's a study to 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 provide some guidance for the way forward with SEMAS. SEMAS absorbs about two point three. 2.5 billion uh, in subsidies from government. Uh, there is certainly an urgent need to to, to review SEMAS uh, and uh, uh, reduce the subsidies and increase the contributions by public uh, sector employees and so on. Um, we also uh, certainly need to accelerate the um, the finalization of the public enterprise ownership policy that will give guidance to how to deal with uh, uh, public enterprises, uh, whether to uh, privatize, uh, to close, uh, to continue whatsoever. These are tough decisions, but we need to make uh, these decisions because as the budget shows, um, there are, again, uh, substantial amounts uh, allocated to PEs that could be used for um, social expenditure, infrastructure for uh, in the health sector and education and so on and so forth that would have uh, uh, <coughs> far better uh, impact on, on the economy than bailing out uh, uh, um, these enterprises, especially uh, public enterprises that are competing with private enterprises uh, in, in, in the market. Um, I think these should be the first candidates uh, for privatization or closure. All right, Klaus, a rating for the minister's speech? Um, let's say a C. All right. Heiko, over to you. All right. I just want to go back to the theme, which was uh, sort of tabled in February 2023 economic revival and caring for the poor. I mean, the, most of the speech has gone around the economic revival, which is great. And we do see that there's improvements in the economy, GDP picking up, etc. However, caring for the poor, I don't think there was enough mentioned around that. There wasn't enough mentioned around the ongoing of subsidies, how those have been deployed, um, what's the stand on those, and, and what's the budget left for, for, for those sort of subsidies. So I would have really liked to see more on, on caring for the poor. I mean, we saw the drought relief that's coming in. But a bit more would be great. In terms of rating, I think, yeah, we're still cautiously optimistic about this speech. Um, I, th- I think it's actually quite positive and definitely a B rating at All this right. point. Thank you, gentlemen. My uh, takeaway from the speech was uh, how much pressure the minister's under to provide soccer facilities. He, made a, he actually spoke more about that than he did about drought relief. 
He did say they've had put aside $50 million dollars for the upgrading of the stadium, and it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, so it's not his fault that there isn't football in the country. That just shows you that uh, sport is a big part of our culture. Uh, that is uh, a wrap of our discussion of the uh, midterm table budget speech tabled by uh, the Minister Pumbashimbi um, in Parliament yesterday. So joining us here in the Business Report, local economist uh, Klaus Schauder and Heiko Pry, the Head of Securities at Simonis Storm. My thanks to you, gentlemen. Thank you for listening. And uh, remember that you can pass this on and catch this podcast by subscribing wherever you pick up your spot uh, on Spotify or wherever you pick up your podcasts or on our website, nova.com.na. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact.